0: Time now for Scoops with Danny Mac the podcast on 101
1: ESPN. Welcome into the show and a Tuesday edition of Scoops with Danny Mack on 101 ESPN. I'm Dan McLaughlin. Our producer is Colin Surrey. Colin, no Ozarks
2: for you, right? <laughs> no Ozarks. I have not been to Lake of the Ozarks in gee, maybe six or seven years. It's been a while. But I take it you had a great weekend. I had an I had a wonderful weekend.
1: I did too. Took my uh, little guy and his buddy fishing. We did a lot of fishing. Uh, socially distanced. Of course. and uh, But once we caught the fish, I guess we weren't really socially distanced from them. They were <laughs> catching a lot of bass. I was catching more bluegill. I want to learn how they're doing the bass, and I'm not as good as they are. And they're 10 and 11, and they're out fishing me, and I've been fishing all my life. So what am I doing wrong, Colin?
2: Oh, that's interesting. You know, I used to fish a lot when I was really young. I have kind of let go of it. I've been I've been more golf with my free time than than fishing outdoorsy type stuff. Yeah, but you know I I don't know what to tell you. I, my one trick with fishing is you got to get it along the shoreline and and make sure you're kind of bringing it along there because that's where they like to hang out. As far as I understand, I was doing that.
1: Okay and they still outfish me but we had a lot of fun. On the program today I'll visit with David Kaplan of ESPN 1000 in Chicago. Want to get into The Last Dance. What is the perspective of that documentary in Chicago, and what they want to see with the upcoming 30 for 30 with Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. And would the Cubs be one of the top sellers when baseball comes back? There's been a lot of talk about that, and we'll see if Chris Bryan could be on the move and some of the other top players that the Cubs have under contract. A visit with David Kaplan from ESPN 1000 is coming up. Alright, we start this morning with baseball, and this is a huge week. I truly believe that. A huge week for America's pastime. This is not only a big week for This season, but you got to think big picture for the sport as a whole. The Players Association and MLB will try to hammer out an agreement that satisfies both the health aspects of the return to play, but also the economics of how this will work as well. Just do the math. Just do it right now. Time is of the essence. The players have been presented a deal that features 82 games, and I've been told by some they want way more than that. They want around 100, 110, if they could figure that out. Well, that's the case. need a deal like yesterday. Either way, if the league wants to have a season, it would include three weeks of spring training, and then the season would start in early July. Buster Olney of ESPN. I think that if, in fact that they're able to work out the money. I think the players will work through the protocol, you know, that uh, things like not showering at the ballpark. I read some person say that it was like the old American Legion baseball where <laughs> you showed up in your uniform <laughs> in your car and then you got back in your car afterward and went home. It might be a lot like that. There might have to be some adjustments, but I think everyone's going to recognize, look, these are things that we're going to have to try to do uh, if we're going to have baseball this year. Well, those are just some of the issues that players have to deal with right now. Now, let's think about this. If baseball doesn't return because there isn't an agreement over money, we have big problems. And I mean big, big problems. Here's something that happened to me. I spoke with a friend over the weekend, and she asked me, why wouldn't baseball return if they agree over the safety protocols? And I explained to her that there was a disagreement over money. She was floored. Okay, she was floored. She said, what? She's a casual fan. And she said if they don't play because of money, she's done with the sport. And she goes to a lot of games. So it really got me thinking about this, Colin. I follow this sport religiously. I get the issues that are going on on both sides, owners, players. I read about it every single day. Any article that comes you know, out, this is how I make a living. I want to see them back on the field. However, it all reminded me that this casual fan doesn't follow this like I do. So baseball doesn't play and they are out of the national spotlight for what would be probably 17, 18 months and other sports are coming back and do it with a playoff run, NBA, NHL, and then start their next season baseball for 2021. What happens to the casual baseball fan? Goodbye.
2: You bet. They're gone. And you said it, Dan. It's. About looking at it from the big picture. It is in the best interest of both the players and owners to figure something out here. Because if not, in the short term, they'll suffer. And in the long term, even more suffering.
1: That's the long term. And so having said that, that's why I truly believe we will see baseball. There's just too much to lose not just money, but the health of the sport to make sure that fans stay with you. We haven't now been hearing a lot from either side recently, and that's good. That usually means there's negotiations going back and forth, so fingers crossed on that. If you missed it, the Cardinals announced their Hall of Fame class on Friday night on Fox Sports Midwest. I had the privilege to host that program. There were over 113,000 votes for this class. That was a new record for the club. Bill White, former Gold Glove first baseman, member of the 64 championship team was selected by the red ribbon committee the fans voted in franchise era leader john tudor oh
3: well, it's great dan thanks i you know, i appreciate it and uh you know uh, just really grateful for all the people that voted for me and grateful to whitey for you know pushing pushing both tommy and i in which was uh which was a great thing it's uh it's just an honor to be part of the uh that hall of fame family just cardinal family in general you know i mean i have said all along that if i got in or not it would not have tampered my experience here in st louis at all but but getting in is is it's nice
1: what will it mean to you and your emotions when you finally do put on that red jacket what do you think that moment's going to be like
3: i don't know you know me dan i'm not i'm not a real emotional person uh, I, I so i can't really tell you how i'll react to that I guess really only time will tell. Like I said, it's a great honor, uh, one that I'm proud of and grateful for. And, I don't know. Like I said, it'll be, it'll be obviously be a no experience for
1: me. 7.05 winning percentage for Tudor, 2.52 ERA in five seasons with the Cardinals. John Tudor, by the way, will be a guest with Randy and Michelle tomorrow morning. Tommy Herr was a member of the 1982 World Championship Club and the NL champions of 85 and 87.
3: It's really hard to put it into words. Um, You know, when when you look back on your career, you you know... uh, there, there's so many great memories. And of course, uh, most of mine were made in St. Louis. You know, I grew up uh, here in Pennsylvania, uh, listening to the uh, the Cardinals in the World Series on the radio in 1966 or 1967 and 68 and uh, became a Cardinal fan at a very young age. So it, it, it's really just uh, surreal for me.
1: Names like Whitey Herzog, Ozzie Smith, Terry Pendleton, Uh, The list goes on and on. Willie McGee, Jack Clark. And now people are certainly and they know what a great player you are. But this really culminates uh, what a great career you had in St. Louis. Just on a personal level, when you think of those names, you hear those names. And now you're going to wear that red jacket. Uh, Just how special is it for you?
3: Well, it's very special. You know, it it, uh, to me, it it kind of. Uh, validates the way I played the game you know I was not a uh, you know, I wasn't a real flashy type guy but I, I was uh, you know I was a grinder I was out there every day uh, and I always prided myself in, in you know playing the game to win you know whatever it took to win the game so I was I was the kind of player that would advance base runners or take pitches to let guys run and, uh, you know, just, just kind of do whatever, uh, my part was to, to help win. And, and I think this, uh, this kind of validates that, you know, this getting elected into the Hall of Fame kind of uh, validates that the, the fans appreciated that, uh, that I played that way and the contributions that I made during that uh, great era in Cardinal history.
1: It was a great era, so congrats to Tommy Herr and John Tudor. Now, I had a ton of people reach out to me about the omission of Keith Hernandez. Look, Keith Hernandez is going to get in. He's going to get a jacket. He should already be in. I'm with you. He should already be a Cardinals Hall of Famer, period. I do know that it was close for Keith this year. It was close from last year. Keith Hernandez will be a Cardinals Hall of Famer. The NHL Close to coming back, Emily Kaplan of ESPN.
2: The initial plan was to do four hub cities. I think the NHL is boiling it down to two. Vegas is totally a favorite because the NHL has such a long-standing relationship with that city. Obviously, there's the Vegas Golden Knights. They hold the awards there every year, and they know they can host up to twelve teams in one casino or hotel. As for the other hub city, I don't know if it's necessarily going to be the East because I'm hearing a lot of Western Canadian cities. The NHL would love to stage games in Canada for a couple reasons. One, it's a pretty Canadian league, but two. It's just cheaper to put on games there right now and the NHL is losing $1.2 billion. They're counting pennies.
1: So potentially the Blues could be back on the ice with practice, five or six players on the ice, and then phase three, you'd have training camp. And then the start of the season. It's going to be fascinating to see good teams that were on fumes when things got shut down and how they come out firing. That could make the playoffs really interesting. The NBA is looking at Orlando as they look to finish their season. Charles Barkley was asked about the return of the sport.
3: I do know this. uh, Talking to my bosses at Turner, we're going to play basketball. Is it going to be in Florida and Vegas or just Florida? They say uh, two to three months. So uh, normally I get two or three months vacation during the summer. That is going to be gone. But like I say, I'm glad I'm glad we're going to have sports back, but it's a scary thing, Paul.
1: Well, I'm glad just to hear that they're moving in that direction. The NHL moving in that direction. Brian Windhorst of ESPN, he's an NBA insider, asked how this could happen.
0: My expectation is that there's going to be a player or two that doesn't feel comfortable with this bubble. I think overwhelmingly the players want to play especially the players who are on teams who are in the playoffs and have a fighting chance. All these teams we're talking about, most of their players are going to want to play. But there is going to be a player or two or six or whatever who's like, I'm not comfortable doing this for A, B, C, D, E, F, G reasons.
1: I think that's the general sentiment of all sports and players as they look to return. There's going to be some players that have made big money and just say, I'm good. I don't want to come back. Wait for a vaccine. And my answer to them would be no problem. No problem. In baseball, you're already getting a year of service time, which is so important for baseball players. Some of these guys are going to hit free agency. Others are inching closer to being arbitration eligible, like, i.e., Jack Flaherty. So if you don't want to play, no problem. There's going to be other players who are going to say, look, I haven't had that bite at the apple. Give it to me. I want to play.
2: And even those arbitration-eligible players, I mean, if you don't play that season, if you don't produce, you're not going to get paid. So there's extra incentive for them as well. From the 314
1: on the Air Comfort Service text line, Danny Mack, great to hear you on 101. Love the show. Would you have more interest in the NBA than usual if they end up finishing their season? Absolutely. Like everybody, I want sports. And full disclosure, I am an NBA fan. But looking at this big picture, whether it's hockey or the NBA, I just think this is a great chance for any of the sports, for the casual fan, bring them in. Bring them in. Make them a fan of your sport more than just being a casual fan. So from now and in the future, that's why it's important to get on the field. It's a critical time for all the sports, but especially baseball. Think about it. The NBA and the NHL completed 85% of their seasons. Baseball hadn't really started. We had spring training games that didn't mean anything. Out of sight, out of mind, you've heard that before. It's not just the now, it's what baseball and the interest could look like next spring. I'll wrap it up with golf. The match was held this weekend. This was fun. Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Tom Brady, and Peyton Manning.
3: I was not comfortable the entire time from the first tee all the way down here, but knowing that 20 million dollars was raised and helping people that are really going through tough times uh it was an honor for tom and i both to be invited by phil and tiger to play in this match and uh really something i'll always remember and cherish
1: loved it fun to watch the ratings came out about an hour ago 5.8 million average viewership that makes it the most watched golf telecast in cable television history it's fun to see tom brady split his pants And by the way, he ain't no eight (laughs) handicap, I can tell you that. So we've seen a sports documentary and now a golf match set records for viewership. You tell me, you think we as a society miss sports? The ratings for actual live sporting events would be massive. Massive. Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Rhino Shield mic drop. We'll get to those in our third segment coming up. We will visit with David Kaplan of ESPN 1000.
2: More of what you want
0: to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. ESPN. <laughs>
3: He
1: is one of my favorites that I get the chance to run into on the road during the winter months. I call Basketball with David Kaplan. have done so for many, many years. He's also a host at ESPN 1000 in Chicago. Wanted to get him on to talk a little bit about the Cubs, what they may do when baseball comes back, but also get his thoughts on the last dance. Dave covered those teams. He lived through it. Now talks about it daily. David, I hope this uh, conversation finds you healthy and well with you and your family. How are things going?
0: God bless. Everybody is A-OK, washing our hands, social distancing, and uh, things are good. And I hope, I trust everything is good with your family and everybody listening.
1: You bet. Uh, let's talk about The Last Dance. Now we're about a week removed from it. What's the uh, the feeling in Chicago having watched now The Last Dance?
0: Uh, you know, it's funny. People are—they—they they can't get enough of Michael Jordan, and he hasn't played for the Bulls in 22 years. So they gobbled up the last dance, and it gave great content to people who do what you and I do, which is talk sports, and this city just went crazy for it. But it's funny to see how many former players and media types that covered those teams that have come out and said, hey, guess what? You know what? Uh, he wasn't telling the truth. He, Sam Smith, came out last weekend, said Michael Jordan didn't tell the truth. He was never coming back in 1999. Never going to happen, and for him to come out and say it is a straight-out lie. Horace Grant was on my radio show last week and buried Michael. said that 90% of what you watched in the last dance wasn't true and that he felt I think the right word was he felt that he that Michael had thrown him under the bus, called him the snitch to Sam Smith for his book, The Jordan Rules. It's a straight-out lie. And there are more than a few teammates, Scotty Pippen included, that are none too happy with Michael right now.
1: Do you think Michael
0: even cares about that? Um, probably not. But I think everyone, Danny, tries to – they want to be liked. And to hear good guys like Bill Cartwright come out and say yeah all the stuff that was shown never happened never saw it so for people to say that I'm sure deep down part of it has to bother him
1: you mentioned Horace Grant and you mentioned that he was on your show which then made national news uh, on the sports scene what was Horace's biggest uh, uh, you know gripe in terms of how he was portrayed in this quote-unquote documentary
0: Uh, a couple things one as I said to you he was he was not the snitch to Sam Smith that Michael portrayed him to be, and that really ticked Horace off. And then the story came out that they had been on the plane after a loss, and Michael said, you can't – don't give him any food. He played terrible tonight. And so I asked Horace, is that true that Michael tried to keep you from eating? He said, yeah, he barked from his seat, but he never, ever would have gotten out of his seat because, quote – I would have beat his ass. There would be no Air Jordan and there'd be no six championships. <laughs> Smarter than that, I could have taken him. So, yeah, there's, there's more than a few bruised feelings. And from what I've been told by somebody very close to Scottie Pippen is Scotty is furious that the documentary, while episode 10 showed him gutting out playing with a bad back in game six when they beat Utah in 98, but the rest of it is scotty is selfish he didn't get his surgery because he didn't want to screw up his summer scotty is selfish he signed a contract that he was advised by his agent and jerry rinds not to sign and then decided to blame everyone else because he was being underpaid scotty had a migraine scotty had 1.8 seconds he just feels like that he was taken advantage of and it was not what he signed up for
1: david kaplan my guest espn 1000 in chicago what did you learn in this documentary that maybe you didn't know because you're a guy that was intimately involved in covering these teams and these players and have continued to do so what did you learn in the documentary now in retrospect
0: uh i never knew and i mean i scouted for a full year for jerry Krause back in the mid 80s and then i went to work for the seattle sonics and then the indiana pacers so i had pretty good sourcing throughout my career in the NBA, and I never, ever heard Jerry Krause say, hey, Phil Jackson, you could go 82-0 and and you're not coming back. And Jerry Reinsdorf confirmed that that did indeed happen. None of us in the media, even the ones that were there on a day-by-day basis, we never heard that.
1: Was it fair to Jerry Krause this entire documentary, in your opinion?
0: Um, look, Jerry was a very, very difficult man to deal with he just was he had horrible people skills brilliant mind about the game he had a, a very unique ability to evaluate talent and then translate said talent to the NBA game it's the guy that discovered Earl Monroe Scotty Pippen was a guy that was on no one's radar until Jerry started scouting him so he's a brilliant guy But was it fair to him? Look, he won six championships. He's in the Basketball Hall of Fame, and deservedly so. But it also pointed out his warts, and those are warts that, unfortunately, he earned.
1: David, do you think that this covered the betting aspect of Jordan properly, what he did away from the basketball court?
0: Um, You know, Danny, I had no issues that Michael Jordan, the night before a playoff game against the New York Knicks, decided to take his dad and him and two of his bodyguards down to Atlantic City to play blackjack. Michael Jordan was making 33 million dollars a year. He's worth north of a billion dollars because of his Nike opportunities and other things. If he wants to go relax in Atlantic City and they take a limousine there and he sleeps on the way back, and now mind you they got back some people said 2:30 in the morning, Michael said 12:30. It doesn't really matter. The game wasn't until the night at the at the night of the next day. He was plenty rested. He didn't play well. He's a human being. But I got to tell you, man, just watching all the gambling stuff, I thought it was exceptionally overblown. Now, the Slim Buller aspect uh, that Michael had to testify in court, he's a public figure. Slim Buller's a shady guy. I guess that part of it, I understand. But there was way too much back in the 90s that Michael had gone to Atlantic City during the playoffs.
1: What is the general perception of this documentary, of that Bulls run, of Michael now that this has come out in the city of Chicago?
0: They love it. It's Michael. He's he's bigger than anybody in the history of our city. And I'm talking sports or other. He's the biggest thing to ever come through our city. And if you throw out the name... Oprah Winfrey, people will go, yeah, she wasn't from here. She's from Mississippi, came here, did a talk show, and then became global and moved to California and had a lot of success there. Barack Obama, he's not from Chicago. Was he here for a long time? Yes. But I'll argue with anybody Michael Jordan, every single good thing from the time he turned pro happened as a result of his connection to the chicago bulls he is the biggest name in the history of our city
1: david has anybody tried to to catch up with michael since this is uh, come to fruition now and it's it's all out there it's public is has anybody tried to catch up with him
0: yeah we all have and he's just not doing any interviews and i don't blame him he never really does much um Stephen a smith i know reached him and they talked and he said he was disappointed that horace was upset with him but In terms of doing a sit-down, I'll be shocked if he does one.
1: Connection to the city of Chicago still or the Bulls organization or Jerry Reinsdorf? Is there any connection between Michael and and those groups?
0: Uh, Not really, because he's the owner of the Charlotte Hornets. So there's really not much of a connection that they could even have. Now, Jerry Reinsdorf said the other day that he was in a hotel on the road and he walked in the lobby and there was Michael. And so Michael and Jerry and Derek Jeter had dinner and had a great night. And Jerry Reinsworth said, it was awesome. He said, Michael and I get along fabulously well. But Jerry's also been critical of the documentary and came out and did multiple interviews, which he doesn't normally do. Last week, when Michael came out and said, hey, man, I would have come back after 98 and... I could have gotten other guys to come back with me. And Jerry Rinesworth immediately came on four or five stations in town and said, I'm not going to reveal private conversations I had with Michael Jordan at that time. I will just tell you his version of the events doesn't square with the version of events that he and I talked about in 1998 when Michael said he was burned out and done and he would never play for any other coach other than Phil Jackson. Well, he actually did come back and play. He went to the Washington Wizards three years later. Oh, and by the way, he didn't play for Phil Jackson. He played for Doug Collins. So, right. I think it's revisionist history by Michael to say I would have come back. First of all, he said he would have got Scotty in a room and tried to convince him. Scotty Pippen had a bad back. Scotty Pippen ended up getting a sixty-seven point two million dollar guaranteed deal from the Houston Rockets. There was zero chance, and they shouldn't have zero chance he was getting that from the bulls he was never coming back
1: a couple more before i let you go david kaplan espn 1000 my guest we're talking about the last dance and now look ahead to a documentary that involves another chicago superstar sammy sosa big mac the summer of 98 from your perspective what do you want to see come out of this uh because sosa still is kind of persona non grata with the chubs
0: yeah and i think that's very sad You know, I used to have the opinion that, hey, man, you have to apologize before they'll bring you back. And the reason for that was, from what I'd been told, Sammy wanted a job working for the organization. And then I got a phone call from Sammy three years ago, April. So it's been three years. Sammy calls me and says, hey, man, can you fly down here and interview me? Of course. Get on a plane, fly to his amazing two-story penthouse at the top of this incredible building on the intercoastal waterway in Florida. And we do like an hour and a half. And I tried a billion different ways off air to convince him that he should be honest, apologize for doing whatever it is he did. And he said, no, you have no tests on me. You have never proven that I took anything. And so he wouldn't, but he did apologize for leaving at the end of the season the last day when Dusty was the manager, but he claimed he had permission from Dusty. Uh, And we, I mean, I asked him every possible question. And then I said, okay, if you want Tom Ricketts to let you back, you have to play by his rules if you want a job. He said, let me set the record straight. I don't want a nickel from them. I've made a ton of money. I'm a very successful businessman. I don't need any of his money. I just want to feel... Like, I'm welcome back in the organization. Because the sad thing is, Danny, and you saw it all, that guy hit a billion home runs. He made a ton of money packing the Cubs stadium, Wrigley. And then the ratings on TV were were ridiculous. And it's like he never played there. Like, literally. They do the convention. They do different celebrities throwing out first pitches and singing the seventh-inning stretch. it's like he never wore that uniform. And I think that's incredibly sad.
1: Final question, Uh, if and when, I'm going to say when baseball comes back, there's been a lot of reports that the the Cubs could be sellers immediately uh, because of no revenue coming in. All the building that they did around the ballpark. They've got a new TV network. Well, there's no games. Um, Where are the Cubs when we come back? And do you think that would be the case?
0: Uh, I'll be very surprised if they are able to to um, sell off players like this you know, large-scale sales job that we're hearing. I think Buster only even speculated it. I'm not saying that they don't want to move some guys and get some of the payroll gone. Who's signing up in a pandemic to take those contracts? Mm-hmm. Like if you called the St. Louis Cardinals and said, hey, you know what, give us some A-ball pitcher and we'll give you Chris Bryant. Are the Cardinals signing up for a minimum this year and next of $45 million less whatever they end up making on a deal here to get baseball back, and then he's gone as a free agent. But that's a lot of money. I do not see that happening. I would be very surprised. Maybe one guy, but I just don't see teams around the game without fans coming, having ownership say, all right, I'll give you good prospects. Give me Baez and another one going, give me Brian, and another one going, give me Rizzo. I just would be very surprised.
1: Always great catching up, David. Be safe, stay healthy, and uh, hopefully we'll be catching up at Wrigley Field very soon. Thanks for your time. I
0: look forward to it, Daniel. You know you're my guy.
1: Cap came to us on the Browning Croupenaute celebrity line. Now the text line is open six five seven eight zero. The Air Comfort Service text line also Rhino Shield mic drop. David Kaplan here on one hundred and one. I'm Dan McLaughlin. We do this ten to eleven every day on one hundred and one ESPN.
0: More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on one hundred and one ESPN. signing up in a pandemic to take those contracts? Mm -hmm. If you called the St. Louis Cardinals and said, hey, you know what? Give us some A-ball pitcher and we'll give you Chris Bryant. Are the Cardinals signing up for a minimum this year and next of $45 million, less whatever they end up making on a deal here to get baseball back? And then he's gone as a free agent.
1: David Kaplan moments ago from ESPN 1000. I'm Dan McLaughlin. And this is 101 ESPN. To the bigger point of what he's talking about, what's it look like when we come back? What's a free agent like Mookie Betts going to get? What's Trevor Bauer going to get? What's arbitration eligible players? What are they going to get? Not the year to be a free agent, I can tell you that.
2: No, it's not. And it's (laughs) extremely unfortunate for those guys. And we've already seen the free agent market, especially for those older players, start to take a turn for the worse. This is only going to amplify that problem.
1: Air Comfort Service text line. Let's jump into them. 65780 from the 618. I doubt Chris Bryant would ever come to the loo anyways. It's boring for him. Touche. Touche. Good point. Good point. From the 314 Honest Question, how much longer is every single sports talk show going to ride the coattails of this MJ documentary? Well, until we have live sports, probably. I'd say that's probably a reasonable take, Dan. Yeah, I I mean, not much else going on. I don't know if you noticed in sports. That's why we've had record numbers on viewership for golf outings that are for charity. Um, NASCAR ratings were extremely high. I, I do think... That when we have sports, I keep saying when, I, I don't, I think they're going to exhaust every option to make sure they get players back out there. And and the money is too great on both sides just to pack it in and say, wait till 2021. There's two questions I come back to, Colin. Number one, is a player, you know, what are you willing to risk? There's risk involved. There's no doubting that. With a virus and a pandemic, there's risk. How much are you willing to risk? And the other question I go back to is, if not now, When? So if you're not going to come back now and we're in the same boat, let's say spring training 2021, you're not going to do it then until there's a vaccine? I, I don't know. I, I I don't think anybody understands that. So I think you have to exhaust all your options right now. It's imperative that you say, hey, and, and, and at least do this, too. You put it out to the general public and your fan base that we gave everything we did uh, in this agreement. We gave you everything we could. We tried. It didn't work out. We tried. It just didn't work out. We folded up. We're waiting for 2021. I think most fans would say that's reasonable. Okay, I get it. Maybe you all collected somewhere. Virus broke out. Teams had to stop. They had to go self-quarantine. You tried. At least you tried. Um, And I do think that that's what fans want. They just want to see live sports back again safely, properly, Um, but you have to try. You have to try to get back on the diamond, on the the ice, on the floor, whatever the case may be.
2: Well, think about if you're a fan and your favorite team is playing, you can accept a lot of failure from your team. You need to see the effort. The, the trying, the want to has to be there. And if they don't see it from the league, it's going to turn so many people off, especially if it's about money, Dan.
1: If it's about money. The two six zero, that is in uh, Indiana, I believe. Danny Mack, great to hear you on 101. Your thoughts on the third baseman of the Oakland A's compared to Olin, uh, Nolan Arenado. Uh, you're talking about Matt Chapman, and he is probably the biggest Major League star that you don't know much about. Oakland, we saw them last year come through St. Louis, and then we went out to the West Coast and played them in interleague play. So I did a little research on Matt Chapman. If memory serves correct, a couple of years ago, he was third best in war. It was behind Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, and then Chapman. He's won a gold glove. Uh, he's also won the Platinum Glove, which is the best defender in the American League. Um, and this year, I was looking at projections. I think Mike Trout was the only one that was going to be ahead of him in war, which is how you measure players in a general sense. So, yeah, uh, with Oakland's situation financially, you would think that there is no way that they would be able to keep him. Now, in a normal season... If he becomes a free agent in a couple of years, he's the next guy or one of the next guys. It's going to get one of those huge deal, you know, deals. Mookie Betts would get the 200 million plus. Chapman would get that as well, which that means he's not staying uh, with the Oakland A's. From the six three six, I gave up on baseball after the lost season in the nineties. I came back a little bit with Big Mac and Sosa. That chase World Series was fun to watch but never scheduled life events around any games. But if they lose season due to only money, I am done. will never purchase another item with an MLB logo on it. I think a lot of fans feel that way. And again, it goes back to the point of you got to try. And I, I just look at it this way, too, from our opening monologue, Colin, that if you're Major League Baseball, you really haven't had a... Substantial game of meaning since you know late November with the Washington Nationals winning the World Series. A lot of fans they may follow spring training a little bit. Um, you know the diehards are going to be into it and trying to figure out rotation and bullpen guys in lineup. I'm one of them. But the general fan is like, well, when opening day is here and Clydesdales are rolling around Bush Stadium, that's when I start watching the games in a great baseball town like St. Louis. So you look outside of St. Louis, take you outside this bubble of a great baseball town. And let's just say you don't play 17, 18 months of meaningful baseball. And then you have hockey and the NBA trying to get back on the ice and the floor in what is their best time, which is even without crowds. Pursuit of a championship So every game means something And I think the NHL playoffs Could be fascinating The way that they're Setting it up With the two hubs And teams that probably Wouldn't have made it During the normal finish Are now going to get in And everybody's rested Um, It it could be just great theater And so baseball Becomes an afterthought And I, I shudder to think about What the casual fan Then does with baseball When it comes back I really am worried about that
2: Dan, we live in an ADHD society If you are not Keeping your name or your brand, or whatever it may be, out in the out in front of people's faces constantly, you will lose all of that recognition. And Major League Baseball stands to lose all of that if they are not able to come up with a deal within what we're, we're talking about, like the next four or five days. And we're also talking about
1: ratings on when you have a live event that could be massive. And I, I go back to this point that. We're all starving for not only a live event of sports, but you probably have exhausted a lot of your Netflix options and HBO Go and Showtime and those kind of things. So you're looking for something outside of watching the news and the, the gloom and doom of what we see every single night. So your casual fan, not the diehard, but your casual fan will jump in. And you will get fans that say, I really enjoyed watching Colton Wong. Man, that Paul DeYoung is a good player. Bader, I I, I love how he plays defense. You know, and they're going to say, "Yeah, I'm sticking around." You know, I'm I'm not only going to watch this year, but I you you brought me back in. I'm back in to be back in in spring training of 2021. I'm back in opening day next year, and that's where you cannot be short sighted and think that well, we d- we just packed it in when we couldn't come to a financial agreement, and when you have the amount of American people that are out of work. Unemployment Money is not going to fly. It's just not going to fly. There's going to be a lot of people that are upset if you don't come back and play because of the issue of money. Now, again, if it's an issue of safety and the protocols and it just didn't work, I applaud you for trying. You at least tried. It just didn't work. But if it's about the money, uh-uh, ain't going to fly. It is right now 1046 in St. Louis. And our time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. Colin Surrey, our producer, I'm going to say co-host too. I'm Dan McLaughlin, and uh, this is fun. I do this every day now, and 101 gave me a show from 10 to 11, which has been a lot of fun for me because I need to try to stay sharp, and you guys on the text line and the mic drops and things of that nature, you, you make me think of... Uh, different things that I don't think about with this, and I want to get back to work doing baseball games, but even when we come back, I'm going to continue to do this, and it's been a lot of fun for me. It's taken me back to when I got into this business, which was to do radio, and no one's in my ear telling me to read a promo, so I kind of like that. Colin occasionally will yell at me. <laughs> during the break, though. Yeah, it, I'm it, not getting in your ear during the segment, Dan. Come on. Give you're, me a break. You're right. It's usually during the break, and you're, you're pretty tough. I mean, you're like, Dan, you're not, <laughs> you're not staying on clock, and I understand that, but I've got so many thoughts and I can just talk. That's what I love about doing radio. It makes it fun.
2: Dan, that's what I love about this show. This is a one-hour meat sandwich of sports. And if if you love sports, this
1: is your show. I try to fit a lot in. We only have an hour. So by the way, can I do one more mic drop or a text message here? Go for it. All right. 314. Dan, what is your take on MLB draft down to five rounds? Major cuts to minor league baseball. How does this encourage a love slash desire the game for our youth? I'm not sure it, it, it stops that. I mean, we've got little league going across the country. Texas places here in St. Louis or outside the area in the county. A lot of kids are playing down in Florida. I don't see that that is going to cut their love of the game if there is not, you know more rounds in the draft or some of the teams that get eliminated in minor league Baseball. It still comes down, do you love the game? And do you love playing the game? And if you're good enough then to advance, um that's what you worry about with as you advance in high school and college. I do think though, it is fascinating after this draft, What happens to some of these players that were college kids that did not get drafted in the five rounds? Do they go back to college? And if you don't have football in the fall where that money trickles down to the, quote, unquote, lesser sports financially, what happens to college baseball? That is my concern moving forward. You're listening to 101 ESPN.
0: More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN.
1: called me a
4: psycho. Why? Well, <laughs> not really, but I walk in here and every day to listeners at home, you've been wearing a really neat hat. It had a little Indian head on it, like a chief, like the full head dress. Yeah. And so every day I come in and I look over and I see Danny Mac in it and we'll call it the hat, right? Yeah. I walk in today. He's wearing something similar to the hat, same color, but this one has an American flag on it. So, which is fantastic. It's You look great in that Thank hat. Thank you. I appreciate it. it. I feel my point great too. was though that,
1: oh my gosh, he changed his hat. So the joke was, you psycho, you changed hats. I have so many hats at home. It's so when I go play golf, I usually no no matter what the course I go play, I either buy a shirt or I buy a hat. And so the Indian hat that you've been seeing, I can't remember what course that was from, but it was from this spring. Okay, down so in it's, a, it's a
4: golf course yeah. hat.
1: Yeah, that's their logo, and okay. this one, I think, is oh, from American Eagle, so I did not I did not <laughs> oh, play okay. golf in this hat, <laughs>
4: so I just, I'm just trying to figure it out. No, I'm just admiring, because, yeah, now, let me ask you this question, yeah. okay? Yeah. I have a ton of hats. Every time I've coached or played or done anything, I they, they give you a hat, they give you a hat. I've probably purchased two hats over the course of 20 years, uh-huh. and I own probably 40 of them. Now... I have a head that only looks good in certain kinds of baseball hats. Me too. Yes. Some of them, like the new era, like the flat bill. And I just look ridiculous. I look like somebody tried to put a trash can lid on my head. I I don't support that very well. So I've got so many hats at home that I don't wear. So I go to the well. And when I find one that I feel comfortable in... That's what I do. And that I feel like I look somewhat normal in... Then I wear that one and I wear it like till it's dead. Like the one I got on my head today. This is like my go to. It's rough looking. I know it is, but this is my go to hat.
1: You have sweat stains. Uh, I wash my hats all the time. uh, It's hard work, Dan. No, you're just a sweaty guy and it's okay. That means you're on the ice, you know, doing your thing. That's how coaches do it in, in hockey. They wear hats. They wear hats. For the most part. Yeah. Speaking of hockey. Yes, sir. What do you think? Well, I'll tell you
4: what. Hockey seems to be uh, looking like they got their you-know-what together. Yeah. Um, You know, I'm not going to go cashing those checks before uh, I know what's going on here. But at least they have a cohesive plan. And that was the biggest takeaway for me was that it's not this back-to-sport with crazy, ridiculous things written in it. Like, no offense to Major League Baseball, but they, as much as they tried to dive into all these factors, it got kind of silly in some Mm -hmm. of the stipulations, whereas the NHL, I think, the verbiage they used was much better in the fact where, if at all necessary, um, you know, then the player can do this. If it requires it, otherwise, please don't do it. Like, that kind of thing there. It it just makes more sense when you read the language of it. It kind of seems like it's more ready to go, that model. And I think that... uh, So you're saying there's a chance. You know, with hockey. But again, I'll go back to the beginning of all this. They only have playoffs to get done. It's a sprint for them. It's a sprint. Can they get to the finish line without too many
1: problems? Fabulous theater, though. If it goes off without a hitch, man, the theater and watching those games is going to be phenomenal. Phenomenal.
4: It's going to be interesting. I'm really, really interested to see the no-fans games. Like... You and I both know this, okay? And I can tell you from past experience, you get out there in training camp before they let the fans come like way back when, and you play the inner squad games and you kind of be out there for like five, six minutes, and it feels like you're playing with your buddies. Yeah, it's competitive. There's some body checking. And then all of a sudden, that one thing happens. Somebody takes a run at somebody, somebody slashes somebody, something happens, and then the game goes from zero to a hundred. And there's like four people watching. Yeah. And you've got this like scene from Braveheart on the ice where people are running into everybody all over the place and the intensity's through the roof. So for me, I'm just I guess I'm trying to picture how long will it take in these games without fans for that to
1: happen? I think it'll be because uh, just it'll be the new norm. I think players will adjust. It's not ideal, clearly. you mean, you feed off the crowd. You're a former professional player. You feed off that. As an announcer, I even feed off the crowd. I love hearing a big crowd and a big moment, you know. But um, I I think, though, with with how much is on the line, I do think the players adjust. I really do. They just find a way to do it and self-motivate, too. It's going to be a talent.
4: It really is. The preparation for each team and whatever team can get to game intensity quicker in those games, they will be more successful. And coaching becomes
1: big in this and how you motivate your team, those kind of things. Yeah. I asked Mike Schilt that a couple of weeks ago. Have you thought about no fans in the stands? He said, absolutely. It's part of the new norm of what we're, I'm paraphrasing, but part of the new norm that we have to deal with to make sure that, number one, our, our players are safe and they feel comfortable in the environment. But then once we're playing... You know, this is, these games matter. And in baseball, if it's only 82 games, it's a sprint to the finish. I mean, 82 games is a blink of an eye, really. So to me, that's, that's part of the coaching staff and their responsibility, not only to get the guys in the right position to play, but now we actually have motivation to try to get through and do the best you can. Couldn't agree more, brother. Couldn't agree more. Jamie Rivers. Brandon Kylie, BK and Ribs coming up. They'll have you from 11 till 2. I'll be back tomorrow at 10 with Scoops with Danny Mack. Colin, great job as always. Thanks, my man. Thank you. You got it. This is 101 ESPN. You have been listening to the TV voice of the St. Louis Cardinals. Scoops with Danny Mack on 101 ESPN.